Hi, this is Hattie and Whitney, Duke Plastic Surgery residents with The Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. Today, we'll be talking about nasal reconstruction. So to start, as we do with all of our pods, we will be starting with a little bit of anatomy. In regards to the blood supply to the nose, there are two major arteries that supply the external skin envelope to the nose. There is the lateral nasal artery, and then there's the columnar branches. Now, the lateral nasal artery is a branch off of the angular artery, which itself branches from the facial artery. In regards to the columnar branches, they are off the superior labial artery, which is also a branch from the facial artery. In regards to blood supply to the nasal tip, so this comes from both the lateral nasal and the columnar branches. And then in regards to the nasal sidewall, these come from the angular artery and the lateral nasal arteries. The blood supply to the septum is separate, um, and it's from the sphenopalatine artery and the posterior ethmoid artery. Moving on to innervation. So there's the anterior ethmoidal nerve, which supplies sensation to the skin of the dorsum, lorn, nose, and tip. Then there's the infratrochlear nerve. This supplies a sensation to the bridge and upper lateral nasal area. Then there's the infraorbital nerve, which supplies the skin on the lower half of the nose. And finally, there's the nasopalatine nerve, which innervates the septum and the anterior hard palate. So in regards to, to the muscles, there is the levator labii superioris eloquae nasi. And these dil- this dilates the nares. And then there's the depressor septi, which depresses the nose and can cause tip depression with smiling. Okay, now let's go into the internal structures. So for the nasal bones, they form the upper structure and articulate with the upper lateral cartilage cartilage in the keystone area. The upper lateral cartilage makes up the mid-vault and contributes to the internal nasal valve. The lower lateral cartilage are paired alar cartilage that contain the medial, middle, and lateral cura. These support the tip and they define the shape, size, and projection and contribute to the external nasal valve. Then there's the septum, which is formed by the perpendicular plate of the ethmoid bone, the vomer, the maxillary crest, and the septal cartilage. So in regards to the nasal valve, the internal nasal valve um, is valve should be between 10 to 15 degrees and contributes most of the nasal airflow resistance. The external nasal valve, colloquially known as the nostril, and is supported by the nasal ala and the lower lateral cartilage. And then in regards to how we think about the nose anatomically, the nose is divided into thirds based on the underlying skeletal structure. So there's the proximal third, middle third, and the distal third. The proximal third is over the nasal bones. The middle third lies over the upper lateral cartilages. And the distal third includes the nasal tip with paired LA over the membranous septum and the column. And then finally, the nine nasal aesthetic subunits. And this is a really important concept. Um, I'm just going to go over what the subunits are. And they are the two nasal sidewalls, the nasal dorsum, the two nasal ala, the two soft triangles, the columella, and finally the nasal tip. So now that we've reviewed um, some of the anatomy of the nose, we're going to be going over uh, nasal defects and reconstruction for nasal defects. Um, The causes of nasal defects can be from trauma and Mohs surgery most commonly, although you can obviously have other cancer excisions on the nose. Um, in terms of nasal defect reconstruction, we oftentimes think through this in a stepwise manner. So first we consider what is missing. So defects can include, uh, soft tissue, structural support, including the cartilage and lining. So you have to figure out what is missing in order to understand what needs to be reconstructed. Further, uh, we think about where the defect is and how large it is. Um, this 
truthfully drives your reconstructive options, the combination of those two questions. So um, kind of going through a stepwise manner, we're going to be first talking about small, soft tissue only defects. So for small defects of the soft tissue only of the nose, meaning that you do not need to include cartilaginous support or nasal lining, um, you can kind of think of these in a stepwise fashion. So you can have these defects heal by secondary intention, especially if the defect is small or less than uh, 0.25 centimeters with intact underlying perichondrium. Um, moving up from healing by secondary intention, the next most commonly used um, reconstructive option is a full thickness skin graft. This is especially useful for upper two thirds of the nose defects that are, because there are not many local options for that area. Finally, if you're thinking about kind of smaller soft tissue defects, you can use local flaps for reconstruction. There are several local flaps that are commonly used for reconstruction of the nose. Um, these include a bilobed flap. These are commonly used at the nasal dorsum and tip um, for defects measuring up to 1.5 centimeters. Notably, the maximum amount of rotation is about 90 to 100 degrees. So that's 45 to 50 per lobe. Uh, further, um, the defect cannot involve the nasal ala or kind of the um, violate that uh, aesthetic subunit because um, it will look odd. You'll basically um, violate that uh, aesthetic subunit. Moving on, you can also use the dorsal nasal flap. Um, it can be used for uh, nasal dorsal defects that measure less than two centimeters. Um, and the blood supply to the nasal dorsal flap or the dorsal nasal flap is the angular artery. You can also do a cheek advancement flap. This is generally used for defects up to 2.5 centimeters and is generally good in elderly population where they do have a lot of skin laxity at the cheek. Finally, you can use a nasal labial flap. These are good for alar reconstruction, lateral sidewall reconstruction, and can be tunneled to be used for columella reconstruction. These reconstruct up to a maximum defect size of two centimeters. The pedicle is based off of the facial or labial artery perforators. And they generally require two stages, one for inset and one for division. Uh, moving on to small composite defects. Uh, this is when you are missing both skin and cartilage. Um, in general, the best reconstructive method for these defects is a chondrocutaneous composite flap. Um, these include obviously both skin and cartilage. Um, the maximum defect size for reconstruction using a chondrocutaneous composite flap is 1.5 centimeters, and these are typically harvested from the helical root of the ear. Moving on to much larger defects. Um, so in terms of larger defects, that's when you start thinking of your composite defects and what you are missing in terms of soft tissue, structural support, and nasal lining. For large soft tissue defects, so when you're missing a significant amount of skin, regardless of what else you're missing in terms of nasal structure, um, the forehead flap is generally your best reconstructive option. So the forehead flap is based off of the supratrochular vessels. Um, in terms of just some flap considerations that we need to take into account, uh, first is the dissection planes. So we dissect initially in the subcutaneous plane and transition to the subfrontalis plane in the mid forehead, or just start in subfrontalis plane from the start. Uh, you then need to transition into a subperiosteal plane above the supraorbital rim in order to protect the supratrochular vessels from injury. Uh, further, you need to maintain a pedicle um, width of about 10 to 12 millimeters at the transition point. Um, the next consideration is the number of stages that you use to. Uh, inset this flap. Um, in general, or most commonly, it's inset in two stages where the flap is elevated and inset and then divided at a second stage. Um, however, there is the 
um, Menex three stage approach in which you at the first stage inset the flap, do minimal thinning and place cartilage if you need it. At the second stage, you do much more aggressive thinning without dividing the flap. And finally, at the third stage, you divide the flap. Finally, there are two other considerations we need to keep in mind. The first is the length of the flap. Um, if the patient does have a low hairline, you may need to slightly obliquely orient your flap or plan to remove some hair follicles from the columella or the most distal part of your flap um, at a later stage. And finally, what do we do with the defects that we leave on the forehead? And generally, this heals secondarily and does not need to be closed primarily. Um, as, I, as I mentioned, for large composite defects, we do need to think about um, the other structures of the nose, including the nasal lining and support for the nose. So options for nasal lining, and of note, this is actually the most important step in complex reconstruction in order to maintain the integrity of the internal um, nose. So you can use uh, several different flaps, including a hinge mucoperichondrial flap, uh, which is based off of the anterior ethmoidal artery, a septal pivot flap, which is a composite flap of both mucosa and uh, septal cartilage that provides both support and lining for the internal nose, a folded uh, forehead flap in which you basically fold the distal part of the forehead flap underneath to provide lining for the internal nose, or you can do a split thickness skin graft to the undersurface of the forehead flap. Uh, finally, for options for support, um, in general, this means cartilaginous support. We can use septal cartilage, auricular cartilage, or rib cartilage, depending on how much we need for reconstruction. Um, and just finally to finish, we do get a couple questions on rhinophyma. Uh, this is characterized by a progressive hypertrophy of the sebaceous glands of the nose and generally is seen in older male patients. It's uh, an end-stage presentation of rosacea, and the treatment of rhinophyma includes oral antibiotics for um, acute infections followed by a surgical excision, which is a tangential excision. Um, basically you excise the upper layers of the skin, uh, dress it with a zero form dressing and the patients will come back in about two months fully, um, uh, with a full dermis and epidermis. So pretty straightforward surgery. So that is kind of a brief overview again of the of nasal reconstruction. And, um, we look forward to having you join us on our future quick hits. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.